0: Well, well, well,
1: look who had a little time to sit around the space heater on this Sunday evening. What's up, James? Not
2: bad. Uh, It's like uh, regular anime YouTubers, right? They never watch anime.
1: Well, I haven't had time lately, I'll admit that. Okay, so, well, you have a little time, like like I'm joking as we start. And I know. Well, you mentioned to all of us that you took some time to listen to the episode that we put up last week, or we recorded last week, and I put up during the week. So you are one of the 26 listeners I know uh, who have listened to the episode. I think the other the some of the others who will some of the other 26 are (laughs) myself, uh, mostly Mo, Kevin, Mo, and Amy. (laughs) So that, so um, to the other 20, wow, there's that many of you?
2: <sighs> well, how many of those were Mo listening again?
1: Oh, that, that's actually a really, really good question. So we'll ask them next week. I think we might be able to take next week. We'll see.
2: Well, as you said, <laughs> uh, and what you guys talked about, I wanted to learn about uh, the pulse of anime, right? And uh, what I should be watching, because I hate to tell the guys, but it's true. After my first anime, I never watched anything else. It was all trash afterwards, that whole list. I don't know any of those titles on there. You guys are going to have to educate me. I heard something about Naruto at the beginning. If they could like explain the premise of it. I think Kevin may have mentioned it in episode 69. So it may be a cultured uh, anime, as they say. I don't know but they're going to have to explain that one uh, to me because as I said in my text before I think most of what I learned is probably on online wikis and bathroom stalls.
1: Well, it's it's sort of like <laughs> like misinformed constantly joking, you know, about anime about you know, anime fans not watching anime. Like how do you become better a better anime fan? Actually watching anime. <laughs> <laughs> I thought like, it yeah, was I'm, making
0: I'm,
2: crazy lists like these people or, or, because there were dime a like, dozen on all those websites, right? And
1: or or actually looking for the best girl. If you remember that part of the that part of his joke. Yeah.
2: No, and I saw I, I, I bet you a hundred to one on Anime List and some of the other ones. It's like Chainsaw Man's gonna be number one uh sometime this week or in the future. And then and I'll revert back, as Kevin and many others have uh, said. Even though Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood is such the oddest series, you would choose to be number one on any list. Because, as Kevin said, and it's one I've told people about, it, I said, it make, the first half I don't think really holds up at all because they were rushing to get to where they left off in the first series. So it feels like so cluttered and scrambled in the first half. Like, almost like you should just, if you've watched the first series, just don't watch, I guess, the first 26 episodes or whatever, and then pick up from there, so to speak. So, I don't know why they, like, have
1: put it on the pedestal, but somehow they have, right? Yeah, and I guess it's, lists like these are always fascinating. I I know some people find them pointless. Maybe we made it sound that way. I just like the debate it causes when these, when they happen. You know how I how open minded I am. Well, I'm not okay. Maybe I shouldn't show off the idea whether or not I'm open minded, because then somebody will just as quickly want to say how how um, how close minded and abrupt I can be. But but these things always just get my get my uh, thinking going, so to speak. Not necessarily creative juices flowing, but it certainly gets my uh, gets me um, thinking quite a bit about what would be good to show certain people, right?
0: Yeah, and I've seen like I think different, different ones,
1: movies, but yeah. a lot
2: of them are things you would, I guess, expect and stuff. But as the guy said too, a lot of them are very recent uh, animes, and you do have shown in
1: bias. The phrase was like- recency bias, I think it was. Mm-hmm. Right, and that's okay. We are. I, I I do tend to think the argument tends to be generational. So
2: there was an IGN one that actually wasn't as bad for uh, recency bias. Like it had some older ones in there, obviously. Cowboy Bebop was one of them. I think they had Monster and they also had something else. Like, so sometimes the list can throw you for one, but it, I think it just depends who sets up the list. It, sometimes it's just the writer, I think, and mm-hmm. sometimes it's just as they say, uh, a random survey of who knows what is putting on, and maybe they could be voting
1: more than once, right? Right. So there's, uh, there, So I guess, you know, we'll, we'll as I said, that's just a list. Worth a debate, but then think about it for yourself. And then if somebody asks you, what would you say? Right. And I think some of the
2: reason the recency bias comes in now is partly because of streaming, because basically we're day and date with Japan across the globe for not just the English speaking world, but for all the other people in the world for a lot of languages. Right. Because of Crunchyroll. And that didn't happen in the past. So it's like they are on the pulse and stuff like that. And so that's where it's like, is there going to really be an evergreen? Because everyone wants the next new thing or something like that, which at the moment is Chainsaw Man. But when we were watching anime, I know uh, in the early aughts and that, it would have been interesting to see what that list would have been because everything was new and it didn't matter if it was coming out right then or if it was from the 90s or if it was from the 80s. You know what I mean? It was all new well, and consumable, it felt like.
1: Well, yeah, I think because of how difficult it was for fans at the time to be able to get anything, to be able to watch anything, the fan sub world was still a thing. I don't know how much of a thing it is still today. But Ranma can almost be considered in the same breath in terms of recommendations as Inuyasha. Or maybe I'm overstating it. Right? Because we were thinking about I think a part of those recommendation lists in the in the early aughts would have referred to things that would have happened in the in the late eighties, early nineties, and we'd put them in the same breath as things that were coming out at the at, at that point too. So Fushugi Yugi Marmalade Boy
0: could have been in the same breath as Love Hina. Or I could be wrong.
1: Somebody tell me I'm wrong. And tell me why I'd be wrong. I'm just, once again, maybe that that's my own bias.
2: Well, I could see that because I remember it's like, obviously we could talk about that but remember when Marmalade Boy came out from Tokyo Pop with the uh, box sets and stuff like that. That was a big thing at the time, right? So. Yeah. And it took a long time to get it across the finish line,
1: right? So... Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, th- I mean, so it's, like, the the lists are a product of, the, of one, the people who wrote them, but maybe of, of the way they consumed them, too, and the time they consumed them. Like, that point in history, a snapshot of fandom's history at that point. Oh, okay. that
2: You'd have to do, like, a snapshot every hour, I think, uh... In today's world, almost, just to keep up, I feel.
0: Well, let's see, is that good or bad? Or should we just, just accept it as a thing? See, that's, it's hard to say either way, right? Because different people
2: could have different opinions on that. and it, I would say it's not the greatest, but I can see how the other side might think
1: otherwise, right? Mm, well, I well, I think it's it's I think as a whole we're just allowed to, you know, have our opinions shift a little bit. Some people like to criticize people for being flip-flop, uh, flip-flopping their opinions, but what's so wrong about ha- about having your thoughts evolve, right? See, be saying, oh, wait, okay, this came up. Maybe I was wrong about something. Right?
0: And I guess the other thing
2: is we've seen a lot of remakes over the last uh, few seasons, so you never know. Maybe a few of those fans might actually go back to the original source material, take a look at them, and maybe might look at some other older shows, right? So you never know how these things can pan out.
1: But isn't that sometimes the beauty? Like, like that, that, that comes back to another old 90s and aughts argument. The book is better than the movie sometimes. And you can start to say that with remakes. I think you can
0: start to say that.
1: Because we can look back on maybe on older material based on the same premises or same stories. And then compare. I'm sure that that's going to happen. With bleach, well, that's more of a continuation. I'm sure that's going to happen with Kenshin if when people if people want to get past Watsuki,
2: or maybe Yurtsayatsa or Fruits Basket. Well, that's like probably that.
1: a better. That's even a be- that's probably a better way to put it. And, and a lot and I know and I heard it's getting some good reviews.
2: And a lot of those ones, as we said that we talked about, a lot of them had different voice casts. Obviously, Bleach continuation same voice cast, but a lot of the ones. That are older remakes and that they're just recasting everything so it's a fresh reboot a fresh start which as you guys had mentioned last episode is a lot different because usually they always said you're the voice kind of for life sort of thing so it's kind of interesting they're doing the fresh reboot and stuff like that and to see how their takes in that and how they've evolved it for these new audiences and how they would look back if they decide to look at the original animes or even the original source material right like how would Maison and cuckoo look in today's world and stuff like that if they decide to remake that
1: well as i said there was a version of that done about 13 years ago but maybe it's time to see what it's like it would be like in an animated form now
2: and i think the ones they've redone now they have more of a clear runway to kind of start from scratch which is better for them because remember we mentioned full metal alchemist full metal alchemist brotherhood i think the reason they were so scatterbrained and rushed with uh brotherhood is because it was so close to the original series they remade it like five years later you know what i mean so i think they thought it was fresh in people's minds so it's like we have to rush and get to that new material whereas they wait a, a decade or maybe 15 years right they could do what they were doing with these ones, where they can just start fresh and let the story organically develop. You know what I mean?
1: Well, yes. Just to say that because the source material is, is at best a gu- is at worst a guideline. Oh wait, never mind. I mean, then then maybe then uh, you'll start getting the people who rag on Cowboy Bebop. Has it been a year already? Wow, time flies. Okay, but, but on the topic of changing opinions, how do I do on that segue?
0: Uh, that's uh, good.
2: You know, what we should mention, uh, since I did mention uh, Chainsaw Man there, we should probably note because you guys are like, is it getting an English dub? Yes, it's getting an English dub for Chainsaw Man on Crunchyroll. The first episode is going to go live this Tuesday, uh, October 25th
1: and that's you know really, roughly the same time that this episode actually goes up <laughs>
2: and that's, that's the usual uh Raisin Detre for Crunchyroll funimation if it's a big series like chainsaw man my hero academia and things like that their simul dubs are almost day and date with the ji- japanese simulcast or like a week or two later and it's the same happening again with uh, spy uh, family as well but some of the other ones it takes time uh, for them to get it out because for example, I told you about some of the dubs they had and it was like so many years after the fact. And then for example, uh, Yakuza got Yakuza's guide to babysitting, which was a series from last uh, season is just starting to get English dubbed episodes. And the, <laughs> and the funny thing is that one. And then, um, Recoil licorice, which uh, was many weeks after the fact for that one for the English dub. Sometimes dubs in other languages on Crunchyroll come before the English, and I've seen that on some of them, like uh, Recoil uh, li- licorice, which uh, was interesting. Like every other language but English was there for a while. Like they had French, they had German, they had Spanish, and it goes on and on. So it's an interesting way of how it goes across the globe sometimes.
1: Mm. Well, sorry about the distraction there just now, by the way.
2: But uh
1: changing opinions, right?
2: Just like the well, iPhone ringing in our uh, stream or
1: in our well, uh, podcast uh, <laughs> that's uh I'll get back to that one a bit later. it's actually It's actually a relative of mine, but uh we'll get back to that in a bit. Um, okay, so I think the last time something aged this badly, it was the episode we did just before the pandemic began, when we expressed our thoughts on, the, on COVID and how to handle it at that point, point. and coincidentally, you weren't on that episode either.
2: I choose so, the right episodes to stay home I
1: guess. Yeah, you do cuz 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 we have our we have certain foot in our mouth uh, moments. But
0: well, Maybe I think this one's was, a little I different.
2: Think I mean, may mention though that uh, this one there was maybe more happening that we did not know and we'll have to see how it develops. I think there was mentioned Well, further
1: develops if there's if there's anything else to mention. It's okay. Where do we want to start now on the on the um, Helena Taylor-Bayonetta controversy? Well,
2: I guess the interesting thing when I think about Helena Taylor is a lot of people I know think of her as Bayonetta, and I agree with that as well. I played the games. I'm still getting the third game on Friday. But um, I would say, interesting enough, you know what her first role was in anime and video games? For Helena Taylor, do you know what it is, Mike? I don't. It was I don't. N- it was New Generation Pictures and she was the one who took over the role for uh you 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 oh. You read ah, Reedman the paper, remember, for ROD the TV, Reader Die the TV. Oh. So she was in the second half and took over uh, the paper uh, Reedman. Who was uh, the main character? Remember of the OVA and stuff like that. So that was her first role in North America for anime and games and stuff like that, and started her off. Which is funny when I think about it.
1: Okay, let me just uh, check this quickly. Just the characters, right? Um, um, yeah, it's
2: Rod
0: the TV.
1: Oh, you you Yomiko. So she played. So she played. She played Yomiko, Yomiko Reedman. That... Yes. <laughs> and on the topic of uh of Ot's, uh of iconic arts characters right mhm so and she
2: was on one of the uh, now unfortunately the um audio commentaries are not on the blu-ray for ROD the TV but uh, they are on the original DVD DVDs released by Genion so i've kept them because they were really good uh commentaries by the production staff from Genion and New Gen as well as some of the voice actors coming in and stuff like that. They had J.P. Blanc. They had some of the kids that were on there. They talked about acting and how they got things done. They even had uh, Helena Taylor was, I think, in one of the last ones for commentary. and It was interesting, her thoughts and stuff like that, just getting into anime, I guess, and video games. She had just come over, I
0: think, from England at that point. Hmm. What an interesting way to look at it, then. Right.
1: Okay, give me a thought. Give me your thoughts on, like, your overall thoughts on this whole thing now. A week later, as we, like, at the time, and then a week later, as a few other developments came out. And keep in mind, as much as I think, like, we, obviously, things have, um, some opinions have shifted. Kotaku, who helped break this story, you know they've had to update this,
2: and we've seen that. I know uh, on the anime side, I'm thinking of the
1: Damien Mills uh,
2: thing uh, that happened. In uh, Anime News Network had to update their views on the story and stuff like that. And that happens in journalism and stuff like that, or with with these type of stories. And I know some people don't. They want to go with their gut instinct. They're like, aha. It's like, this is what I'll it is. It's either, it's, one, it's either one or the other. But the reality is there's a gray area in between. We're never going to know the full story. And I, it something hit me, obviously, with um, the Bayonetta story and Helena Taylor. Like, there was something just didn't sit right. I'm like, okay, maybe there is something there and stuff like that. And I do feel bad for her. But... Something more is going on, like the $4,000 figure and all that stuff seems way too low. And obviously, Jennifer Hale is not going to take like $4,000 to play Bayonetta, you know what I mean? An iconic character. Like she w- They would obviously be paying her more and stuff like that. So I don't know. And that's why it's like I would rather just wait and see how this story develops, because obviously I felt it was going to. Develop uh, in a certain way. And that's uh, how it did. Obviously, there's still more that we'll never know and stuff like that. And you can have your opinion one way or the other. And some people have stuck with Elena and other people have said, aha, she lied. And it's kind of ridiculous either way, I think, to say either of those things. Because Mm -hmm. we're dealing with human beings, right? And human beings are not things you can put into one peg hole. You know what I mean?
1: Well, you and, can't. Uh, yeah, you can't pigeonhole them into just one spot.
2: And uh, things evolve, and she may have had her idea of how she felt she was treated. And obviously, now this is where it gets hard, right? Because Bayonetta the series, you have Platinum Games, the creators of it. Then you have Sega, because remember, Sega published the first game, so they still retain some rights. And now you have Nintendo, because Nintendo helped. To kind of continue it on for Bayonetta two and Bayonetta three, so it's really hard to say who's doing the casting and who's doing the voice work, who's the main person getting this thing rolling on all three of those sides. We have no real idea. All we've had is some vague statements, obviously from Platinum saying, "Please, uh, we stand by uh, Jennifer Hale and her comments and stuff like that," and she's been vocal about fair work for fair pay and stuff like that, and. She's gotten some unfair blowback and stuff like that from this, which is unfortunate, because I think she I don't think she would have went into the role if something didn't pass the smell test, I think. Mm -hmm. So I think obviously there were some hurt feelings on all sides, but we'll never get the full scope of the story. And we'll get into, I guess, the update, obviously, which is this is from uh, Bloomberg is the one that broke it. And it was uh, Jason uh, Schreier. Now, he used to be a reporter at Kotaku before he uh, went on to Bloomberg. And he has done investigative uh, type stories into the video game industry. He's done uh, some novels and stuff like that. Kind of similar vein, talking to different video game developers about, obviously, how they develop the games and stuff like that. Kind of getting an inside look because... Everyone thinks they know how it's done, but it's more complex than that. So he has some credentials. And so he was uh, talking to sources at Platinum Games and what uh, they were offering up. And they were saying that uh, Platinum Games wanted to bring Helena Taylor back. Yes, there was obviously uh, an audition, a re-audition, because they wanted to make sure, sure her voice was still up to snuff. And that the offer was... Actually, three thousand to four thousand dollars US per four-hour session for at least five recording sessions, and so they were saying probably a total of at least fifteen thousand dollars US. Now, some people either way have said, "Oh, that sounds fair," and other people say, "Oh no, maybe she she deserves more. Like she deserves that and royalties and all this other stuff because she's helped to develop the character and stuff like that, right?" and i can see both sides but there are other things too where it's like i would say there is some fairness in this offer because remember you don't have just her you have all the other voice actors across many languages which is mostly english and japanese because those are the two main language tracks you have all the game developers that helped to develop this game also you have like obviously translators and people doing the story and all that trying to develop this world right so it's like really tough then because it's like, how are we going to divide all this money up? Because we could say a lot of people probably deserve a lot more money than the corporate or overlords, right? And in that case, that would be like a Nintendo and Platinum, right?
1: I think the article kind of uh, tried to outline Taylor's demands or requests.
2: And they were saying something like a six-figure fee as well as residuals, right? Mm -hmm. And I don't think they ever would have went for a six-figure fee. They never would. and And who knows where the truth is in that. I think maybe it might have been obviously below that. But who knows where the truth is. But obviously for these sources, I think even though they don't identify themselves and people talk about that, guess what? A lot of people don't talk on the record and you have to look into your sources. And I know Jason Schreier, he looks into his sources like a regular journalist would be at a magazine or a newspaper. You know what I mean? You have to do your due diligence before you put something in print, because regardless if they're on the record or not, it could come back to bite you, right?
0: Hmm.
1: Yeah. And what is it? Taylor said she broke a non-disclosure agreement to make her statements. Mm Mm-hmm. But... Trier right now probably has to protect a few sources himself mm-hmm. in this scenario, right? Obviously, um, probably doesn't surprise you that Taylor has denied those reports.
2: No, no, of course she uh, has said that, that is a lie or that's not uh, the tr- the truth or stuff like that. And it's interesting because um, there were other parts to the story I know, and you guys had mentioned. Um, Kamiya, of course, uh, Hideki Kamiya, and I know you had some strong words for him, Mike, but I hate to tell you, that is Hideki Kamiya.
0: That is him, I, I, as
2: a nutshell, on Twitter. You just kind of I, accepted, like, the wonderful 101 Kickstarter for Platinum Games, one of the things was having you blocked by Hideki Kamiya. Like it's so, like, okay. such a thing, and I know it sounds absolutely redu- ridiculous, but
1: it's this weird
2: persona he has developed I was about for himself.
1: I was about to ask this: Is this him? Is this hem being? You know, is this him being discriminatory and all those, all the, uh, all, all the other adjectives that would go with that word? Or is this him being playful? And or is this him being play, uh, playful? Like, like I mean, there's different levels of being a dick. And I think I used that word at the time. Right, you did. I don't know. Is he like, being is he being, 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 being discriminatory? A discriminant absolute dick, or is he being a playful dick?
2: Probably somewhere in between. But either way, it probably I, is not what think a normal absolute. person should do. But because he's been doing this for so long, it's like passing over people like butter over a backside. Like everyone's just, oh, it's Kamiya being Kamiya again, and yeah, okay, I get that. that. But yeah, unfortunately, I, I, I know. It. Obviously, if you haven't seen him on Twitter, you're obviously you'll have a strong reaction. I know.
1: Yeah, and I guess that's where I
2: am because I. And you look at his uh, statement, obviously, which is in he, the moment. First, what they actually put out from Platinum Games themselves, which uh,
1: is probably a little more uh,
2: you know I what speak. I mean, corporate and respectable and stuff like that, so to speak. Uh,
1: yeah, that's, that. I mean, as I said, this is where, you know, as I said how did, you know, boy did our thoughts of it, I'm really wondering how our thoughts last week have aged. Right? I, I mean, I'm looking at this now too, and then everyone said this is par for the course with them. It certainly doesn't, it certainly would rub a lot of Casual observers, wrong. Anybody who didn't know, and it still does. I still find it pretty
0: interesting behavior at the very least. But uh, it's hard. Like, to I mean, think.
1: go. You go first.
2: But yeah, I know. It's interesting though that um, Helena also reached out to him, and I wonder where whatever number he gave out to her. Where the heck he got it from? Did he get it from someone in the platinum management team? or You know what I mean? Like, Because remember, all he is just overseeing the franchise. He's not actually directing or doing anything more. He's kind of like an overseer, kind of like Miyamoto is with like the Mario games and a lot of Nintendo
1: franchises and stuff like that. But it's, it's, I mean? it's just an overseer, not so much day-to-day guy. Yeah.
2: Okay. And uh, that's why I wonder what exactly he said to her and it's it's really there's there's just so many things that don't add up that it feels like there could be a missing link in the chain at so many points that either side could be correct you know what i mean and by being both being correct i mean one looked at one way one looked at at it the other way right but they never got together to actually speak to each other face to face to actually have an understanding of what they both meant.
1: Yeah. What he said, what she said, and the well, truth. what they said. Yeah. <laughs> right. There's three, per- there's three uh, stories or there's three perspectives. Right.
2: Yeah. And I know that they talk about um, some other things too, uh, in the article as well, that, uh, you guys didn't uh, talk on it. And it was uh, interesting because remember, we had talked about anime and voice acting in regards to uh Kyle McCarley. And that's why we kind of went to this one. And I know uh, Amy had said something about I don't think we ever exactly said uh video games were more of a safe haven, but they're a little bit ahead of what I'd say the anime industry is for dubbing and stuff like that, for getting. Uh, certain rates and things like that. They both of them still have a long way to go, as we had said before. And the other thing is it's kind of like television, I guess, as we thought back in the 60s and all that stuff, because they never got residuals, all that stuff. That's why a lot of those actors, like why Adam West was going to these conventions and some of those Star Trek uh, actors were going to conventions, right? They needed to supplant their income because they never got all the money like some of the newer generation got through residuals and through reruns and things like that, right? And it's going to take time, I think, to get to that point. And as we have said, probably in this case, especially for both anime and video games, probably a union uh, arrangement would be best. I don't know what union would be best. Should it be SAG-ACTRA? I don't know, because sometimes a union may come in and it may not be the right fit. For those, uh, that group or that company or that group of workers, right? So they have to figure it out themselves to figure out who they want to represent them and then get to that next level to hopefully find uh, some agreement with uh, whoever it is they're negotiating with, right? Yeah. And okay. I, I okay. think the last point on it is in the article, which was interesting, is the Nintendo angle. Because they actually... Had some uh, stuff. Some uh, what was it? Uh, quotes from uh, Sean uh, Chiplock, and so I think it was from his uh, Twitter account. But it was in regards to him voicing Rivoli in Breath of the Wild, and he did some other voices in uh, Legend of Zelda: Breath of the Wild. And as we know, very big game for Nintendo, earned lots of money and stuff like that. And he had mentioned that he was only given around 2,000 to 3,000 American dollars uh, for that role based on the number of hours in the studio. And so I think based on that too, it seems odd on that number for Helena. It's like, was that based on number of hours in the studio? That's why the updated information kind of makes a little more sense in a way. But even with Hours in the studio. I know some people say, well, that feels low for um Sean there for doing Breath of the Wild. And obviously, he got no residuals on that. But that is Nintendo, too, because they don't do a lot of union work, even for stuff like uh, the Xenoblade series, which is a big RPG and a lot more uh, voice work. Because a lot of their stuff, as we know, the Marios and the Zeldas, there isn't a lot of voice lines. So then the question mark is, is that actually a fair rate? Because there isn't that much voice acting in Legend of Zelda. Which is always Mm. interesting, right? So it's like, should they get maybe a bit more, or is that fair? Because there isn't much voice acting in some of these Nintendo properties, even though they are multi-million franchises?
1: Right. Okay, give me a thought. Like, I mean, these are all fair points, but... And but I wanted to at least backtrack a little bit and see where we sit in history, where, in the history of voice acting, in comparison to where TV and movie acting would be, in terms of rates and stuff. If I am to believe, if I am to believe the six figures salary and residuals request that uh, Platinum says. Taylor demanded or wanted or requested. Okay. That sounds like a, To me, that would sound somewhat impre- unprecedented. I mean, you have versions. Obviously, you hinted at it in what you just said. There's a ver- there's versions of that in TV and movies now with in more like once again, recency. Right. I mean, when it when we first start to hear about it, we start to hear about Ted Danson making, I think, high five figures for the final in the final seasons of Cheers per episode, and then we start to hear about that with with uh, I think Helena, with um, Pompeo in in Grey's Anatomy or the cast of Big Bang Theory, how much they make, and then I think there's a residual as well, like for syndication.
0: Do we have a real equivalent
1: of that in video games, much less anime? It I because the impression I get is there isn't. And what Taylor would have wanted, apparently wanted, would have been would have been borderline groundbreaking, if not past that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So and and I sort of have trouble, and, and then coming back to the whole uh, to the whole Kyle McC- McCarley thing, in many respects it comes back to the Kyle McCarley thing, and the whole idea of getting emotionally involved, emotionally attached to an actor playing a certain character. Is that more of a possible, are those scenarios or plausible not necessarily plausible but do they apply better to anime uh, to uh, to those that voice anime characters or does it apply better to those that voice video game characters
0: I
2: think it depends on how long they've voiced the character and stuff like that because we've seen a lot of recasting sometimes in anime so it doesn't always jive and i think with how long video games they've been at and stuff like that and depending on the series a lot more often than not they're usually going to bring them back obviously there are exceptions to that rule i think abby would say sonic is a big uh outlier because they love to uh mix things up uh as we know for a lot of the voices for sonic mm.
1: So I, I just thought I'd ask that question and maybe put it out there.
2: And then I was thinking too, the other one that was big in video games, remember
1: back in the
2: day and stuff like As remember David Hayter? everyone thinks of Solid Snake from Metal Gear uh, Solid as David Hayter, right? And remember mm-hmm. the m- recent game and stuff like that many years ago, of course, it wasn't David Hayter. it was Keith or Sutherland that they had as... Uh, Voice like, snake and it makes me think, well, I don't think Kiefer Sutherland uh, is taking those type of rates if he was voicing in video games, you know what I mean? So it it definitely leaves you to wonder, right, how they make certain decisions
1: or how how, or how
2: much money in the pot they think they have.
1: It, it leaves me to wonder how they got uh, how they got uh, Kiefer Sutherland. But then again, but then again... Um, Keanu Reeves was in in Cyberpunk, right? Mm-hmm. So, well, times are maybe that's a sign of the times too. And, and this is before we get back to Chris Pratt and Mario.
2: I just want to say, though, uh, you know, Chris Pratt really was the original Mario voice. And <laughs> Mario was the original isekai. He was just doing his business in Brooklyn, and trying to be a good plumber, and got isekai to this drug fueled mushroom world you know what i mean so
1: he was <laughs> well the <said>. original <laughs> well done so like that so uh, so obviously we have said a lot of this on this angle on just the purely financial angle to this point right but the other thing that has come out over the last week is well how do we want to put this
0: part of the story because, how do we,
1: yeah, seriously, how do we want to express this part of the story too? Right? The bit about, you know, just when you dig a little bit more about Helena Taylor herself. And that she has some views that don't agree, that a lot of people probably wouldn't agree with. And it's tough for us to, like, like, we, we've really just fleshed out the actual, like, financials to this. But as I said, there is another part of this. And, and if you dig through her socials, you'll see some, some things that uh, just don't, that I know wouldn't sit well with a lot of our fandom. I know in the, in the weeks since we put up the, uh, recorded the episodes, Amy has gone through through that. And then when you... if you Google it, you know, you'll see, uh, you'll see headlines like Helena T- Taylor is not the little angel she pretends to look like.
0: You notice both
1: James and I are at a loss for words to add any more to this. And I guess... Maybe because that's as much a revelation to both of us, or really just we're kind, uh, there isn't really too much we could add to this, and maybe neither of us, neither of us can say more right now. This is uh, something I want to digest just a little bit more, and then have others, and I want to give the others a, a chance to say a little bit more too.
2: I guess it's right. one of those things, as you said with the last one, it's like you dig into, I guess, people's history and things like that. And you never know what you're going to find uh, in there. It's like how many years have they believed this and all this stuff. And all the people on social media are just ready to latch on to one thing and just hold on for dear life, regardless of how things change. And it may change over the blink of an eye, right, over a week, like we've seen with this story. and. People are either firmly in one camp or the other, which makes no sense because we live in a world of gray, and I don't think we'll ever know the full thing of what's going on, but definitely uh as things evolve and we've seen her uh character uh, put on uh, trial, whether that's right or wrong, there are some things that still leave some question marks on both sides. you know what I mean it's not they're both not clean. I can say that for sure.
1: Well, I think I think um, one one user just said may have said it interesting and maybe bad, had the best comment for me right now is Camia, platinum, Taylor, they all can kiss my ass I thought that was an interesting comment
2: and I guess the other yes. thing we talk about like trying to move the needle, and I, unfortunately, I don't think this one's going to move the needle, but it is definitely just left you scratching your head but the other oddity is it seems like it hasn't affected obviously the sales it seems like they're gonna get their sales for nintendo sega and platinum for bayonetta 3 it sounds like like we'll see see what happens when uh, the numbers come out right that'll tell the tale of the tape probably on that one
1: yeah i'd like to think it's for the right reasons that the sales will be okay if they are to be okay
2: but I think the one uh, I mean I'd
1: like to think the sales will be for the right reasons, right? Mm-hmm. Not not so much a, not so much the controversy that does or that does surround this, but really maybe this is going to be a good game. So, I know you well give me a, give me your quick thoughts on it when you get it, okay? <laughs> Later this week.
2: <laughs> I, unfortunately, I probably won't get to it like well. for a, a long time. I'm getting the special edition, but I'm still working on some other uh, video games and stuff like that. Like, I'm still playing uh, Splatoon 3. I'm still hooked, going through all the things uh, I want to do playing with friends and stuff like that. Even though sometimes there are moments that make you wonder. We had a game last night where we were playing just a ranked match. And the team did not want to do the objective to put... Uh, the Rainmaker on the pedestal they just get it, got as close so that they could win and just wanted to continually kill us because they had control of the map and we're like what are you guys trying to prove by just doing that instead of doing the objective and ending the match it it just left us wondering and then funny enough another one I was just playing a bit of because I just got it in and it is anime related Vallas. So it's the Valis collection for Valis 1, 2, and 3 for um, the Nintendo Switch. And the uh, we're doing uh, the PC Engine version. So I was playing the first uh, Valis game for PC Engine. And they obviously had subtitles uh, for the Japanese bits and all that. But you got to remember with PC Engine stuff like that is that was one of the first times you had the voice. And they actually have it's very rudimentary animation cutscenes. But it still works really well in the anime aesthetic and stuff like that. So it's just crazy watching that and stuff like that, them do that. And I know Valis had, obviously, an anime, I think, back in the late 80s, early 90s and stuff like that, to see how they got everything uh, in there and then transitioned to the gameplay, the 2D gameplay.
1: hmm Well, y- the thing is, as you sh- as you might uh maybe this won't surprise you about where i am on video games the dust cover on my playstation 5 is still there
2: yeah you did mention that <laughs> at least it'll be ready and warm when you're ready to play it again right
1: mhm but uh you know my my intention is still to get to play something probably at least uh, at least turn on a uh, uh, kiwami 2 for the first time in some form i mean i was fortunate but really it's on the watching side for me I mean, we just met, uh, I think we mentioned Bleach about 40 minutes ago, and I joked about wanting to get in an episode or two of the late of Bleach, what is it called? Thousand Year Blood War? Is mm-hmm. that What we call, is that the full title? Yep. I want to get in, though, the two episodes that were already up before my uh, Disney Plus month expired, and I did, like hours before it. It did. And the impression I got was, okay, they were enjoyable, considering how little I know about the story still at this point. But I'm trying to, like, rehash as much as I could from the live-action movie, what little I've been exposed to it. But it was just, I thought it was just interesting. But I can't speak much more to the plot because I'm not as familiar with it now. I, I feel like I can't right but it was but I was glad to have watched it before my chance to see it ex- expired although I know that Disney Plus will put up the rest of the bleach series I think on Wednesday I hear I keep hearing October 26 so there you go on that and okay let's let's talk about bleach on Disney for a couple of minutes cuz I think we were we asked uh, somebody asked about that how 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 Disney ended up getting to an agreement? I think it was the, I
2: was yeah. as the old saying goes from The Simpsons, right? Default, default.
1: The so, two specific words in English language, right?
2: Yep. But uh, yeah, like if you have a stack season like Crunchyroll, Funimation, whatever you want to call them now, they had Chainsaw Man, they had My Hero Academia, they had Spy Family. They spent a lot of money on some big shown-in properties to drive their subscribe numbers, to drive their numbers this season. So I don't think, as I said before, we had talked about that they had any money from Sony left to then go out and get Bleach. You know what I mean? Because we this, be this has the license from their parent company. And Viz probably was asking a premium for that series to stream and stuff like that. And so they probably didn't have money to give them because they had spent it elsewhere. And so realistically, you have probably Netflix or Disney Plus. And so probably Disney, because there's not much there, probably had a bit more to give and figured they'd give it a go.
1: And, and, and obviously, Disney sees value in having it. If they even gave them if they even gave them the time of day if people are worried about that part of the story. Some
2: of it is as well that I don't think I think it's low risk for Disney as well, because I bet you since Viz has the license, they're the ones doing all the stuff to get the dubbing done. They're doing the stuff to get the translation done and all that stuff. Disney probably isn't doing any of that. They're getting the episodes and putting it up on their platform. That's what I bet is happening. And then the other thing is it's not gonna be, I guess if you want to call it Netflix jail or Disney jail or whatever, it's not going to be like that for physical because Viz has the overseeing rights. They're going to be the ones releasing the physical editions at some point, and they probably have more say. But like I'd say, Disney doesn't have much of a say. All they have is okay, we'll let you guys like stream this popular series on your platforms for Disney Plus and Hulu in uh, the states.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Become, so, having said all of that, and Crunchyroll probably blow, uh spending all their money, all their budget for licensing on everything else, recency bias. Let's bring up that question one more time. Because do you think that that plays into it too? Because you're talking about new new series. Well, the continuation of recent series or new series altogether in what they what they decide to put on their service. Bleach is a 20 plus year old franchise.
2: And they obviously had a history of streaming it beforehand and stuff like that. So it's not like it's an unknown property and stuff like that. And a lot of these shows, obviously, these licensors are in on them way, way ahead of time, right? So it's not like they're a few months before and it's like, oh, we're going to license it then or something like that, right? I Mm -hmm. think some of it was they see the patterns, they see what works and they see the buzz. And a lot of people said Chainsaw Man has had a buzz unlike any anime series before it and stuff like that. And they had started to see the cusp of that and they said, we want this and we're going to blow it up even bigger. And they kind of have. So
1: so maybe the the answer is, yeah, but with a reason. Recency bias. Or do you think, do you think and that's I think just- and, and I think the- they would the- be winners
2: yeah. either way. It doesn't matter whether you check. Uh, pick bleach or Chainsaw Man. I think, in my opinion, I think you're going to make your money either way. It's just which one do you think is going to get the bigger bang for your buck? And they probably chose Chainsaw Man.
1: Yeah. So, do you think? Do you think me saying that, making the make, uh, distilling that decision down to the to those two words, is kind of unfair, or?
0: Well, like there, the there could, scene, there definitely could be serious. a
2: small, a small bit of it because, in a way, it is um, an older series. They are starting off from somewhere, so it's like, are you still going to have the fans there? That's a good question. Well, and yeah, then, I think that
1: yeah, when you as put they it, they say the, the game, new
2: hot thing on the block, right? It's like some people yeah. would say, I'd rather take the new hot thing on the block because we can start from square one and we can blow it up even further. Maybe well, I, I think that's I think already that's exactly...
1: been there. I think you may have answered the question in, in, in uh, like the way I, w- I I start to look at it as you start to put it that way. You are trying to pull in uh, like new viewers into something else because try, try getting somebody into thousand year war cold without really having the background knowledge of the story to beforehand. And there's a lot of beforehand. Try getting into that cold. Like I
0: attempted to do. So maybe
1: with reason, right? So, so there's a there is a logic involved with that. It's kind of like it's kind of like a, it's kind of like okay. This is not this is once again using a comparable on um, Western television here, and more specifically Canadian television. It's kind of like the American Idol franchise here in Canada going from CTV to City TV that happened. So you think you can dance went from CTV to City TV in recent years as well. And, th- and that's not a small thing, because CTV developed Canadian versions of those franchises too. Ten years ago those were the biggest franchise reality show franchises for C T V. And then ten years later they're not they're not on it anymore.
0: That's the comparable I'm thinking about too. So, yeah, times change, don't they? Right. Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, you tell me if I'm if if I'm barking up the wrong tree, or is there is it at least food for thought? What I just said.
0: Definitely uh, food for thought.
2: I'd say. I- uh, I'd say we—that's a, a very likely scenario. You know what I mean?
1: So. I mean, it's a—I mean, it's a very simple scenario. Obviously, with anything we state here, it, 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 there's always nuance. There's always more. We try to get start some of that, looking into that nuance. But you know, it is for anybody to who listens to just want like we just want them curious and see if they want to dig around a little more and learn a little bit more that's what we encourage anyway after watching bleach uh, hopefully i can at least get in another one or two episodes of of cyberpunk edge runner now <laughs> so uh, so much on the plate but so little time uh, as i as i constantly joke maybe i missed the pandemic for that reason
2: you want to know what the last uh, Blu-ray, funny enough, I uh, watched this week was, Mike? Uh, what was it? It was, I, I don't know if you want to call it a film or what you want to call it, but it was from the late 1960s. It was from Toei, and it was Flying Phantom Ship
1: from Which Discotech. Just, yes, okay. Well, on that note, and, um, what part do you want to talk about, Flying Phantom Ship or Discotech? Because well, now let's start to look ahead.
2: I will I will tell you on Flying Phantom Ship, it was interesting uh, watching it. It was about an hour, so it's not that big of an investment. They decided to dub it, which was uh, interesting from uh, Coach of Sound. So it had Patrick Seitz, uh, Mona Marshall, they had some uh, other people in there. And they kind of, I actually did watch a bit of the dub too, and they dubbed it kind of like those Hanna Barbera, you know what I mean? Those Scooby Doo 1960s type ones because it kind of does have that feel where it kind of starts out with this ghost phantom ship and this supposed ghost ship captain that's bent on revenge and they go into the spooky house so and look- then it develops into this sci-fi action adventure for this one boy. And you know what happens during, and I, it's like, I don't think any American cartoon would do this in the 60s, 70s. Maybe, well, maybe now they might, but who knows? But basically his adoptive parents, die, I would say 15 minutes into uh, the uh, program, they just are killed off
1: uh, hell of a spoiler
2: and so, he, and so he has to get through that too, so, along with other things but its, it's I wouldn't say it's too much of a spoiler there are a lot of other things going on but that's something that kind of strikes you and it's mentioned too in the commentary track, which is an, an interesting thing to listen to because it has two very um, experienced individuals because the commentary track for the whole uh, film, which was an hour was uh, Mike Toole and Dave Merrill And this is the first time they got <laughs> Dave Merrill to do a commentary track for Tech, And he did it with uh, Mike tool. So they put on quite the commentary track talking I, about I think- the program, talking about the animation, talking about how Dave Merrill had uh, seen the trailer. For this film and the trailer is on as an extra and when he was tape trading at the end of a tape and said I want to find this can someone like translate or can, does someone have a tape so I could watch it and stuff like that him talking about that Dave Merrill which was kind of crazy and then of course they, so Dave Merrill and they talk obviously about that, since it was toy in the late 60s you know who uh, was involved in this one a little known man named uh, Heyo Miyazaki supposedly doing a bit of key animation they even pointed out where the likely part where he did key animation was because it had his uh, distinct features so to speak and another thing was uh, they had some other old hands they talked about but another one was they had um, the woman who would become Miyazaki's wife also worked on this as well
1: (laughs) wow that would be a hell of a commentary
2: Yeah, but it it was fun listening to the commentary. It was fun watching uh, the program because some things, as you say, it's hard to hold up. I guess some things may feel stale to a modern viewer, but I thought it was uh, an interesting story. It got where it wanted to go, and it's like boom, boom, boom. It just keeps on going and going until it gets from beginning to end. You know what I mean? Mm. Like it never feels like there's a break or that I'm just sitting there wondering, oh, what are they doing this for? You know what I mean?
1: Well, uh, uh, I guess that's the idea with a commentary track, too.
2: Well, no, I was saying the, uh,
1: the actual film well, itself. And the film itself. Uh, see, the thing is, there's, you make it like, it just sounds like there's many reasons to want to watch it. And it's short,
2: too. So if you have an hour uh, to spend, right? You can watch just the film. Maybe you can spend an extra hour and watch the commentary. It's up to you, as they say.
1: Time well spent. But, okay. So, so let's start to look ahead into the coming week. You also said Disco Tech. has a presentation tomorrow night, right?
2: Yeah, on uh, October 24th at their hey, normal, normal the times, which I think was uh, 9 p.m. Yeah, uh, Eastern, yeah. 6 p.m. Pacific. But by the time this goes up, obviously, we will have seen the announcements.
1: We and may have a new mayor here in Toronto, but that's another story. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> um, uh, uh, civic elections throughout most of Ontario, I think all of Ontario, happen tomorrow.
2: Yeah, yeah, no, all of Ontario has specific elections. There are some that are open, obviously. So they'll obviously have a new mayor and maybe some new con- councillors. And there are obviously some cities like Toronto, Mississauga and a few others that may have some open uh, councillor races or maybe some uh, school board uh, races. But for the most part, uh, it's uh, ho-hum where I am. I don't think I have to vote at all because guess what? I know who's getting in. They all Like, whoever's running against them, it's, like, non-competitive. It's almost like, why are they spending money to convince me when they have already know they have it in the bank? Yeah, that, that's it, that's bad. how bad it is in civic politics. And you saw the numbers, right, Mike? About how yeah, many people yeah. actually yeah. vote in the civic elections compared to uh, provincial and federal. It mm-hmm. is dire, to put it lightly.
1: Yeah, and then, well, that's another story. Okay, so let's look ahead to the discotheque. Like anything you think could happen? Like, are you looking forward to anything? They're
2: definitely definitely hyping it up. I think, uh, what was it? Uh, Justin Savakis said uh, that the announcements they have for uh, the event, they said they've obviously had some really good announcements, obviously, at different uh, events they've done, either in person at conventions or online. But they said this one they said they felt was special. They said they felt. They have a number of announcements that are going to make a lot of people happy, more than what they normally would announce and stuff like that. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. And I know they've been doing their game on Twitter before uh, the event, like they do for many of their panels and stuff like that, where they give like these random clues, right? So I think that'll be fun to see how they paired those together with their announcements. But I, I, I don't know, like, it'll be interesting to see uh, what shows up. There's maybe some hopefuls I have in my mind, but you never know until they announce this, So I'll just wait and see what they announce. Yeah, but And then be surprised, be- you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, and we can say titles, but the problem, like, titles we think will happen, but that's probably nothing more than our own version of a wish list.
2: Yeah, like a lot of it it's is tough. going to be stuff you have to know what they go after and things like that. Like they do go after older properties. They do go after things from the 90s and from the aughts and stuff like that. That may be TV series or OVAs or movies. They do um, go after stuff they have from Crunchyroll, but whether Crunchyroll is still allowed to let some of those older series go to them. That's still to be seen. We Like the last one I saw was Banana Girl and stuff like that. And I think they're still doing Sinful Gear, which was uh, for Crunchyroll as well. But hopefully they can continue on uh, with some of them. But that's not always a guarantee. And we saw that recently because remember, um, what was it? Um, oh, Bookworm. Uh, Ascendance of a Bookworm was a Crunchyroll series that was when they had given a license for home video to sentai so sentai released uh, on blu-ray seasons one and two right and in the recent uh funimation january solicitation guess what ascendance of a bookworm season three is going to be released by crunchyroll themselves so it'll be interesting to see how many of those uh that have continuations they just decide you know what maybe we'll release it ourselves like i know people were asking a lot about karnasuba the movie right i wonder if instead of going to Discotech, it goes to uh Raw and stays with them instead
1: yeah so
2: but there's still a lot they can do they're still plugging away at things like um city hunter which they're finishing up and maybe they'll do some of the other uh, things in the universe too they've done cat's eye they're still plugging away at uh lupin and they've still plugged away uh case closed for some of the movies and stuff like that so you never know. Maybe those will show up. Probably a lupin uh, OVA uh, film or uh, oh, yeah. special. They've they've just finished up all the rescues of all the stuff Animation has done. So basically they'd be looking at stuff they've either done on just D V D or maybe all new uh altogether, right? So and TMS mm-hmm. seems to have been happy with what they've done, even though obviously part six went to Sentai. Funny enough, they got the Blu-ray of that coming out in January too, so that's a fast turnaround for that one.
1: <laughs> As I said, I'm so not keeping up sometimes. Okay, so let's move a little. Let's move a little bit along. Um, do we want to talk about the comicbook.com uh, article that I sent everyone on the Discord earlier, or do you want to save that for next episode? I mean, this just came out within the last couple of hours.
2: I'd say oh, maybe yeah. let it, uh, yeah, let it breathe yeah, a, a little and we make it, we'll look at it next or
1: time. We make a, an opinion. Maybe that's, <laughs> that's a little bit premature.
2: Well, I guess so, you could just edit out that whole entire segment and then no one would ever know like, whether we said one would, thing or the other. And now they're going to be left guessing for the rest of the episode.
1: Well, yeah which one just, we just did that'll be mo- that would probably be a good 40 minutes of it <laughs> <So>. <laughs> but uh yeah comicsbook.com talked talked a to little netflix i'm gonna leave it to you guys to search for that article or uh, chances are it'll find you okay so before we also go tonight a uh, little bit off top ta- uh well, just slightly off the beaten path. Also, this is the part. This is a, a time of year on the esports scene that is fascinating right now. Right, I know you don't keep up with the esports stuff, James, but I thought I'd exp- I'd bring it up. So, right now going on presently, it are the championships of Dota Two, the International. The Overwatch League is about to go into its full-bore playoffs. That begins at the end of the coming, like, basically in the end of the coming week. And then ongoing is the League of Legends World Championships, the Worlds. And all of them are set to complete themselves in a roughly one-week period. So the International is ongoing. I think it it, uh, distills down to its final four today. I'll, I'll double check. But the finals for that happen on the weekend, culminates with the grand final in Singapore on the 30th. Overwatch League, as, as, I, as I hinted, the playoffs begin this uh, in the coming week in Anaheim. That culminates with the, fi- with the grand final on November 4th. I think that's a, what is that? I'm trying to just do the math. That's a Saturday, isn't it? So that could be ne- <laughs> next Saturday. That could be uh, two weeks from now. Or two weeks from yesterday. And then funny enough, the League of Legends World Championship, if, I'm cor- if I remember correctly, is ongoing right now too. And that ends, oh, November 5th. Uh, that, and that ends in San Francisco. At Chase Center in, in, on November fifth. So, so you have three major esports all having their championships at roughly the same time, and two of them will end uh, basically on the same weekend. So, I, I just thought it's an interesting time of year for um, for esports uh, esports fans. I know Valorant ha- had theirs recently too. So, I just thought I'd bring that up now and. Just to say you know since uh since there's a I always make the argument there's a, enough overlap between our fandoms that uh well, this caught my attention anyway anyway, uh, oh, is there anything else to really add or I think I know I know you want to relax for a few days, well, I figure
2: it's funny since it is that time of year it's and, and Halloween time. and stuff like that. There was oh, yeah. obviously there was obviously on Thursday the Resident Evil stream. Uh, not too much to stay on that one. It's like they talk about obviously the remake of Resident Evil Four, and I guess giving us a reason of why it should be remade, which will be intriguing to see how they reimagine it. But the greater thing uh, earlier in the week was on Wednesday when Konami uh, woke up uh, and again and realized, you know what, we used to make video games and. They had a stream on Silent Hill and just oh, released released the hounds, as they say, because Silent Hill has been dead for a long, long time. And uh, they've just uh, released information. I guess they're going to do another live action film. They said they're going to remake Silent Hill 2, which is going to be interesting to see how that plays out, especially with the developer uh, they chose, because that is an iconic Video game Silent Hill 2, even more iconic than the original Silent Hill, weirdly enough.
1: Well, it's kind of like saying Grand Theft Auto 3.
2: And the thing is, yeah, Silent Hill, don't forget, had its remake on the Wii and uh, PSP, I think it was, with uh, Shattered Memories. But uh, this one, Silent Hill 2, it'll be interesting to see how that one goes too. Because that was a hard one because a lot of the code for their early games, it's hard to believe that uh, for the PlayStation PlayStation 2 some of these games they lost the code they didn't archive any of the stuff so they they kind of have to do it from scratch for a lot of the Silent Hill stuff the early stuff which is kind of nuts and so they did show and, some stuff for Silent Hill 2 and it's it's the same but it looks but it's it's I think some people want to see more because they want to see because Silent Hill yes it was survival horror but there was also, and it was similar to Resident Evil, where there was a lot of camp. They didn't really, like, it didn't feel like it was the A of A, even though we saw it that way back <laughs> in the day, because they had this weird jank, and it kind of played into the game. Like, even Silent Hill, it's like the combat was kind of janked, but kind of played into the thing of, okay, how am I going to survive and stuff like that? And you had all these weird endings, like the UFO ending and stuff like that in Silent Hill 2. That just kind of left things to the imagination, to say the least. Mm. And then the other thing was they had one other Silent Hill game, which was interesting. And it was interesting insofar as I think they, they didn't give it an actual name. I think they just called it Silent Hill F. And this one was interesting because... It's a story taking place in the 1960s Japan. And who would be a good person to do that and probably take a little like horror survival horror, and things like that. They got uh, the creator of When They Cry uh, visual novel series and of that phenomenon, uh, Ryokishi 07, to uh, get on board and write Silent Hell F. So it'll be interesting to see how that uh, plays out for uh, that game and stuff like that, and it being uh, created and done uh, in Japan instead of
1: uh, Middletown America, you know what I mean? Hmm. Why not? Why not? Well, as I said, there's stuff that just gets our attention. So let's let the uh, let's let everything that we breathe for another week, and then let's reconvene the roundtable whenever we can. Could be as early as next week for seventy-three. Who knows?
0: Hopefully,
2: the guys will let me know what that uh, Naruto show is all about, too.
1: <laughs> well, I'm, I'm sure they'll send you a text after. And, <laughs> you know, we'll, we'll do it in the, uh, in the group chat. But in any event, that's uh, as much as we want to talk about around the space heater tonight. So, if you have any questions or comments. Anime Roundtable at gmail.com. We're on Twitter and Instagram at Anime Roundtable. Uh how much should we say, talk about in terms of Twitch and YouTube? Just acknowledge I guess we just acknowledge the existence. We're not really trying right now, let's be honest. Life gets in the way.
2: I'm guessing it's and, like you acknowledge the existence of the PS5 under the dust cover. Is that it?
1: Well yeah, yeah. Well yeah, I acknowledge it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh you know what's the funny part I know that another color for uh, for Dual is about to come out too. Camel gray. Camel gray is set to come out as a, as the next colorway for uh for for the Dual Sense. If you're into the collect into collecting those. So yeah, where was I? Oh yeah, we just did the socials, we did the uh website. Oh, that uh, we didn't do the website. Uh, com. You know what's the funny part? Uh, I have yet to update it. Update the website past episode seventy, <laughs> and the socials past episode seventy. This show's badly behind. The, 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 that's just the that's just a fact. <laughs> uh, maybe I'll take I'll take Kevin and Mo up on their offers to to keep those updated. <laughs> anyway. Well, hopefully by the time uh, you see this, uh, at least we there, there's a rough update to those. So check those out. Maybe it's best to just uh, subscribe to the podcast, uh, wherever you uh, subscribe to your podcasts. So we hope you keep checking us out there. Anyway, thanks for the time, James.
0: Yeah, no problem, as always.
1: All right. And uh, thanks for listening. We'll talk to you in a
0: week or two.